share with you this morning. Um, so for those of you who have been around the last few weeks, we've been looking at how we can get fit for life. We've been looking at uh, trying to get fit for life with our diaries, how we spend our time, with our finances, with the whole area of work. That's what we looked at last week. And we started it all off by looking at how we can get physically fit for life. Thinking about how much we eat, how much we exercise, how much sleep we're getting. And you know, I've heard some pretty remarkable things over the last few weeks. I've heard about people going to the gym beyond the second week of January. I've heard about people not using their phones before going to bed and actually getting a good night's sleep. Remarkable. And for one week, there was a Sunday that they actually left their phones. And if that doesn't tell you that we're getting rather serious about being fit for life, then nothing will. So this morning, we're going to be continuing that series by looking at how we can get relationally fit for life. Now, I think sometimes the way that we approach life can often undermine the importance of getting relationally fit. And I think if we want to be around life, we need to do well in this area as well, just as much as it is about getting healthy, um, sleeping well, getting our diaries sorted, and those kind of things. There's, there's a recent study done by uh, the University of Minnesota um, over in America, and, they, and they, they came to this conclusion about relationships. They said that healthy relationships are a vital component of health and well-being. Conversely, the healthiest in being alone or isolated in one's life are comparable to the risk associated with cigarette smoking, blood pressure, and obesity. So in other words, relationships, getting our relationships right, is such a vital part of getting fit for life. I'm going to start by just sharing a little bit about a guy named Paul. So 2,000 years ago, he, he, um, he was on this earth. He, um, he, he started off his life by actually trying to kill people who followed Jesus. So he wasn't a particularly pleasant guy to be around a lot of the time, particularly if they followed Jesus. But, you know, he had this dramatic experience, this encounter with Jesus where he was blinded um, by a light on the road to Damascus, got to Syria. And in that moment, he encountered Jesus. And then he devoted his whole life to following him, sharing the good news of Jesus across the known world. He's one of the most famous sort of followers of Jesus throughout history. He planted churches wherever he went. But this all involved a lot of traveling. And he would, I'm sure, find himself isolated on many occasions. And the lesson we're about to read from is from, um, is from the time when he was probably in prison. Now, you know, for those that spend a fair amount of time in prison, you know, it's not a particularly great place to kind of get to know lots of other people. It's not a great place to kind of found, get really good relationships with others. And so I just want to start by talking a little bit about the passage we're going to read, just the first few verses. I'm just going to summarize before we, we read um, um, together. So this, this, um, this is Les, Les Lester has written to a bunch of New Christians in a place called Colette um, to encourage them. And at the beginning of that chapter, Paul starts by reminding his followers of all uh, of those people, all that Jesus had done for them and done for them. And the fact that they didn't need to follow religious rules in the same way because Christ actually lived inside them. You know, if we choose to follow Jesus, Christ lives in us and we die to our old self. And so Paul urges them to put off to death anything that is not of God. And he lists a whole bunch of things like sexual immorality, immorality, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, and a bunch of other things as well. 
You know, when we choose to follow Jesus, things will begin to transform and renew us. And that's what Paul is getting at in this. But the reality is he doesn't hold on to the cross and do this because we are not children of the cross. And as followers of Jesus, we are raised with him. And he gives us a way back to God the Father. Now, we're going to start reading uh, from Colossians in, in just a moment. So if you've got your Bibles with you, or you've got a device with that on you, it will come up behind me in a moment as well. We're going to start reading from chapter 3 and verse 12. But before we do that, can we pray? Lord God, I thank you that we know and we love each other. Whether we're aware of that right now or not, I thank you for that. Thank you. And I pray, Lord, that as we um, explore this area of relationship, as we look at what you want to say to us, I pray that our ears would be open to what you want to say to us. And we ask this in your name. So we're going to read from Colossians chapter 3 and starting from verse 12. I'm going to take us to the water just to get to it. And it says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and adoring love, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have... If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when you can discern them. And to pray them over, but with sincerity of heart and reverence of love. So this letter is all about getting relationships right, doing relationships well. And but when we look around the world, I think it's fair to say that we're not doing great on relationships whether further afield or even right here in person this morning. You know, when I look at some of the things going on around the world right now, it breaks my heart. The plight of refugees, travel bans, beatings, murders, child abuse, rape, divorce, delays, and the lack of hope. And even right here in, in our own towns and cities, we see so many struggling to survive in the streets looking for shelter, even in this cold weather. We look at the storehouse projects in our own church, and we've never been busier in providing food and clothing for those in our community. But then we bring it down even closer to home, in our own lives. Can we hand on heart say that we are relationally fit for life? Can we say that our relationships are functioning well? 
with our loved ones, with other family members, with work colleagues, managers, God so loved the world. He saw the destruction, he saw the hell. He loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for us. To defeat all that death and break him. And as we say yes to him, we stand the hope that we will have eternal life. So I want to start by looking at that model of Jesus. You know, how can we get relationally sort of start serving Jesus? Whether we know Jesus or not, it was all about him. He gave up everything for us. And in our relationships, I think the challenge for us is to give ourselves up for us. So let's look at how we can get relationally fit. And, and, it, and it starts from that place of love. In the letter we've just read, Paul uses this analogy of getting dressed. So verse 13, it says this, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, I don't know how you choose what you're going to wear each day. Some may assume by looking at me that I usually get dressed in the dark and just throw on the first thing that I find. But I can tell you that that is not always true. Others, and I refuse to stereotype here, take a little longer about choosing the right outfit to wear, particularly if you're going out for a big event or something. You know, it might depend on what's coming up, um, who you're seeing, you know, how you feel about yourself in that moment. But you then try on a number of options, and then after all that, you go back to the very first one you tried on. That, does that sound familiar to anyone? Okay. Um, but, you know, Paul encouraged us to choose carefully what we wear each day. Clothing ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And that thing that underpins it all is love. Now, I've learned in my own life that when I start the day well, when I choose carefully what I'm going to put on, when I spend time reading God's Word, when I'm praying in the morning, when I'm loving and serving the family that God has blessed me with, I'm a better person to be around. And, and I'm sure that others experience a better world that day than they would do otherwise when they're having coffee at home. But when I just throw anything on, when I read my social media feed instead of my Bible first thing, when I think about how little sleep I've had, and I, I can be grumpy, I can be short-tempered, and I just look out for myself. And if I do look out for other people, it's that sort of sense of disgruntlement. And that is why I think we need to start each day by saying yes to Jesus. Each morning. That's a really good decision for us to make each day. You know, we don't just say yes to him once and then leave it there. We come back to him each day, bringing who we are, our needs, our strains, our hurts, our worries, our struggles. And we have to choose each day whether we are going to put on that garment of love. Paul wrote famously to the, um, to the play, uh, Christians in Corinth. Um, and if we, he said this, he said, if we don't have love, we're just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, we can strive to do all sorts of great things. We can come to church each Sunday, we can join a small group, we can put on great events, we can serve the poor and the needy. But if we do it without love, 
what flows out from that place of love is that compassion, that kindness, that humility, gentleness, and patience. But, you know, the reality is we're human, and so relationships don't always work as we'd like. Now, this morning, I wanted to focus in on two types of relationships that Paul talks about in this passage, and about how, you know, we can get relationally fit and well-grounded. Now, the first, and um, this, you might, you're going to see a picture of my family come up in back from Christmas. I want to talk about our family relationships. So Paul starts by talking about marriage and relationships with children. But what he says, I think, can be applied to most of our, if not all of our relationships. He starts by saying, as wives, submit to your husbands. But he also says, husbands, love your wives. And, and he clarifies this further in Ephesians, where he says, you know, and he says, husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In other words, you know, we should be willing to put our bodies on the line here, beloved. In, in marriage, we submit to each other. And that's the same for all other relationships. We need to put other people first. We need to give up what we, um, those, those needs that we have. We do, we do something good, something nice for other people. How often do we do that and tell them how much we appreciate them? And he goes on to say, children, obey your parents. One of my boys is nodding, the other one not so much. And parents, don't wind up your children. You've heard it here. And when I was growing up, that second part of the verse, I used to love to quote to my parents. I especially like the way Paul says it again in Ephesians. He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. I used to love using that line against my dad, partly because it got a little rise out of him. But, you know, that, 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 thing, that line that I used to use as, as, a, as a, you know, amusement, as a dad now, I find it one of incredible challenge. You know, um, I, I find it really hard because actually that's an incredible challenge for me. There are times when I'm not as patient, not as loving and kind and generous as I should be, and I want to be, and I crave to be. So, you know, just as a dad... I think I'm just really fond of that second, the other verse, you know, children, obey your parents. <laughs> but, you know, whatever our family structure, we need to love, honor, and respect those that God has placed around us, that we are close to. Now, I don't know your family situation today. I've shared a little bit of mine, but I sense that for some of us, there are family relationships that are just not working very well right now, that are broken, it may well be through no fault of your own, but it really hurts. It really hurts. You might have fallen out with siblings or parents or children. And you know, God, I believe, is challenging us to take a step each morning towards a strange family member. For others of us, we may be feeling that we're abandoned, we've been abandoned by family, by friends, by other people. God wants to say to you this morning that you have not been abandoned by him. He has never forgotten you. And he's already put people around you who love and care for you deeply. And sometimes it's hard to recognize that. And he wants, but ultimately he just wants to remind you, I'm not going to let you ever forget. Now the second area I want to focus in is, 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 is the area that Paul focuses on and is around our work. Now, we spent some time last week looking at that area, about what we do with our time. 
as Paul talks about slaves, obey your earthly masters and serve them. You do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but also you serve to your heart and reverence for the Lord. Now, Paul talks about slavery here, you know, um, about slaves obeying their earthly masters. Now, what he isn't doing is condoning slavery. Far from it. There's, there's some context here about the time that they were living in. And so, you know, it's not what he's talking about. But what I think it does relate to is what we do with the majority of our time. Whether we work, whether we're looking for work, whether we are a full-time parent or a carer, whether we're studying, whatever we're doing, whatever we spend most of our time doing, Paul encourages us, first of all, to work hard, even when no one is looking. That can be hard, but it can be tricky sometimes, can it? Often with those, you know, the people that he's put around us, the people that don't know Jesus, how can we show God's love in those places? Maybe we can do something kind and generous. You know, maybe we can make a round of drinks or find some cakes or sweets for those that we, we spend time with. Offer to pray for someone who has a headache or just simply listen to the person no one else wants to talk to. For some of us here this morning, I feel like it's a time for us to step out from the shadows, to, to break our cover and share some of that very love that we've experienced in Jesus into our workplaces, into the places of study, and wherever we are, wherever we spend our days, he wants us to be pouring that love out to others. The forgiveness and the healing that we've experienced. Now, many of us long to see God's love in our homes, in our workplaces, in our family situations with friends. We long to see him move in those places, and, and we wish that there was someone, just someone, who could do something about that. I think he has. I think he provided an answer in each of us. We may be the only follower of Jesus in another person's life. And we have, whether we believe it today or not, we have life-changing power in our lives in the name of Jesus. We have joy in new life in Jesus. If only we knew the power that we carry, the power of life-changing hope. You know, we have a hope, the Bible says, that lives inside us. And that is just an incredible thing. And it can be infectious, one small act at a time. That's every time we pray for someone, make them a cup of tea. Not only does our faith grow, but it releases something of God's kingdom here on earth. Every time we choose an act of kindness over apathy, when we choose generosity over selfishness, it does just something in us, but it also does something in the atmosphere where we work and we love and we serve. And I think it's in these small things, these tiny acts that God can show His love. And there's so much more of that when we come together on a Sunday or in a small group, we see more of that together as well. Now I want us to come in to, to land a little bit now. I want us to get a little bit more practical about how we can choose and go with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience in all our relationships. You know, how can we get relationally fit for life? Now, there may already be some specific areas that, that God's really prompting you about, some broken relationships that you long to see healed. But I want to highlight that some of the things that Paul very practically says in, in the passage here. And so, if we can just move to the next slide, there's a, a few things there I just want to pull out before we try and think practically about what we need to do. So the first one is around bearing with each other. In other words, 
and they think the best of others. Such a simple thing, and yet it's often so hard, isn't it? I wonder who in your life right now are you struggling to celebrate? Who are the people that you're finding it difficult to celebrate? I just, I would encourage you, don't, um, I, I remember a time a few years ago where I was doing some kids' work and there was one child who I, I found particularly difficult. To be honest, he was really hard work. And, um, and, the, and the youth leader that I was kind of chatting to was just like, don't you ever pray for him? And I was just like, no. And so I did pray for him. And suddenly I was able to think so much better of him and that relationship really improved by just shifting my focus and thinking the best of other people. The second thing is about forgiving one another. We know we need to forgive. We know it's the thing that Jesus called us to do. And, and I just think for some of us, we may have burdens that we're carrying today because we found it really hard to forgive someone, whether that's recent or whether something in the past. And I think today is the day that we can work that. We can do business with God in that way. It's really important we don't lose that ability and let that bitterness in our lives destroy our relationships. And the third thing is around being thankful. In verse 15, sometimes... We just need to be grateful for what we've been given, what we have already. How many times do we thank God for what he's put in our lives? And how often do we take the time to thank the people that make a real difference in our own lives? You know, thank you is such a small word, but how often do we say it? How often do we use it for the people that we really want to thank at work? And the next thing is around being peacemakers. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Now, you may be in a difficult situation right now. You may have a difficult family situation, a work situation, you know, with friends or whatever. Your peace is so desperate in your heart. And I believe that God is just asking some of us to tap in and bring real peace, a peace that passes all understanding, that changes the past and that changes our says in verse 15, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom from psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. It's about coming together. One, one thing is just really easy to encourage each other, just by being together. I'd say by joining a small group is one of the best ways that you can encourage other people. So just by having a group of people that you're doing life with and being able to 